Father God, we thank you that you're always for us. And Lord, we just lift up your name today. And we just acknowledge and welcome your presence in the congregation here today. Lord, you live in us, but you're among us and you're in our midst as we're gathered together. We're two or three gathered together. And Lord, we thank you that you are the true gentleman. And we just open up our uh, souls, our hearts to you today to minister to us. Uh, so the end result would be that we would be in the race and running the race free and not weighted down. Lord, we just thank you for the race you run, ran and gave us such a, such a, a demonstration of how the race is to be run. Lord, we just honor you and all that you've done for us. We thank you for the wonderful way in which we've had communion together. And we can commune with you. And we thank you that you're the giver, the greatest giver of all. You gave of yourself for us. And we really appreciate that this morning, Lord. And we honor you in our presence in the midst here today as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we say, have your way. Be exalted, O Lord our God. Father, take this opportunity to exalt and honor your Son among us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God is good. I'm so excited about this whole theme for this month, running the race. Who watched the opening of the Olympics? Wow, come on. Was it colorful or what? Come on. Was it colorful? It was far more colorful than what we got here. It was very colorful. But God wants to do something very colorful on the inside of us here today. And, uh, and, and I just love this whole theme of running a race. Did you ever notice when the, the Olympian runners uh, start at the starting line, that they're not like when you're actually driving up the road and you uh, stop and there's someone with their thumb out and they've got this amazing big uh, pack. And they're not very big, but their backpack towers way above them. And you just wonder how can they carry such a load when they're going around and touring around New Zealand with their thumb out. You ever seen that on the side of the road? Someone with a massive backpack. Wow. Now, to run a race, uh, someone with a backpack like that would not, we wouldn't encourage them to be running a race with that backpack. And nor does the Lord encourage us to run the race burdened down, weighted down. That's why it's so important, the series that we're doing, running the race. Today, we're going to have light up. Next week, refuel, then look ahead, and then go for gold. Those are our four um, themes uh, for this month. But when we talk about light up, to be in the race, first of all, you have to have received Jesus as Lord. You can't be in the race with him unless you've received him as Lord and Savior. That's one of the criteria for being in the race. And I just want to, uh, we've got something exciting today. We've got an amazing testimony today, so I'm rushing through this opening very quickly. But I want to just ask you here today, point blank and straight, have you ever received Jesus as the Lord and made him Lord and Savior of your life? If you, if you haven't done that, there will be an opportunity for that at the end of this service. Now, that's one of the criteria for being in the race. Light up. He is the light of the world. We're like a light bulb still in the packet if we haven't received Jesus and we're not plugged into the power source. But there's this one other thing I want to bring before you, and that is the need to lighten up. I believe there's many Christians who haven't yet started the race, and they may be saved from hell and on their way to heaven. Praise God. There's no sin. Wow, I just loved that, Dave, this morning. By one offering, that one offering of Jesus, that one sacrifice in Hebrews. Wow. There were many lambs offered in the Old Testament, but it just took Christ one offering. And he's done it all. And we preach a finished work here at Excite Christian Center. The work is complete. And we believe that. And when you receive Jesus as Lord of your life, we believe that his spirit comes and dwells in our spirit. Just like it says in Ephesians, you has he made alive who were dead. 
Of course, you were alive before you received Jesus, but only physically. But your spirit was dead in transgressions and sins. We were born selfish creatures. But when we received Jesus, we're made alive, we who were dead. Now, you might be made alive and your spirit quickened and made alive in Jesus. But what about your soul? What about your soul? I'll leave it at that because we've got a testimony and I'll round up afterwards and we'll talk a little bit more about the soul and we're going to have an opportunity for people to come forward and receive prayer ministry in their souls this morning. And so I just hope God will touch something in your soul, in your heart today through the testimony that is going to be shared. Kerry, I want to welcome you up, dear sister. Looking forward to the testimony. So let's just hear the wonderful things that God's been doing in your life the last couple of weeks. This is exciting. Oh, thanks, guys. Um, You know, Paul and Ruth, you are just the most amazing shining beacons for Jesus. You know, and it's just been a real privilege and a pleasure to actually have you walking by my side and just taking us through. You know, these guys are amazing. We are really, really blessed. So thank you, guys. Um... Some of you know my background, um, and I've heard it before. Others haven't, so it will just be kind of like a quick gloss through. But this is God's story. You know, this is about a God who will take a broken and damaged life and bring it through to complete restoration. And that's for everybody. It's not just me. This is everybody. So everything you hear, just remember this is... God's story and and God's work. So my past was definitely in the area of witchcraft and Satanism. My father was Romany Irish Gypsy. My mother on the men's side was Masonic Lodge. So there was not a lot of God in my life as as a child. There was lots of tarot cards and crystal ball reading, and that to me was was normal. But I don't actually want to talk about that side today because what God's really laid on my heart to talk about and the passion that I have now is all in the area of abuse. Now, abuse, there's three different sorts of abuse that can occur. So you can have mental abuse, and this is where words are spoken over you and they hit you and hurt you in the very core of your being. They have an impact that stays with you for the rest of your life. In your low moments, they're those words that circle around and around your head and you believe them. It's a very real abuse. You can have physical abuse where you are literally, you are physically hurt and you carry, maybe carry external scars, but the internal damage in you is what remains hidden and unseen, but it's there. Then the sexual abuse robs you completely of your self-worth, covers you in shame. It paralyzes your ability to receive love and to give love. No one form of abuse is worse than the other, whether it's physical, whether it's mental, whether it's sexual. It has a deep impact in your life. It actually fractures your life. It splits you to become multi-personalitized. So I was first abused at the age of seven. I was sent to boarding school when I was nine, and the abuse continued there at the hands of a matron. She abused just about all us girls that were there at that time. 
At 15, I ran away and went to live on the streets. Basically became a prostitute because it was the only way I could see to get a living, a roof over my head, food. When I was 16, I went to work on a horse stud and I met my first husband there. Now, my first husband was a warlock and he was a Satanist. At that time, I had no idea what love was. I had a really warped idea of the world. And when he said to me, I've got a power that you can have, that you will be able to run and rule your own life, I thought, oh, I want that. Big mistake. <laughs> I married him when I was 18. He was a very, very violent man. He was an alcoholic. We were deeply entrenched into Satanism. In Satanism, there is a thing called satanic ritual abuse, and it's abuse that is very, very real and goes on all the time, and it's out there. If people actually knew about it, like we know about the sex trade, they would do something to stop it. But a lot of people don't even know it goes on. When I was 21, I finally decided that I'd had enough. We were actually living with my parents at the time. And I went to them and I said, I can't do this anymore. I was so broken, so beaten. And I said to them, you have to make a choice between him or me because I just can't do this. And they chose him. So I was out on the street again with the clothes that were on my back. And I spent another year basically prostituting myself once again back on the streets. Before I was taken in by just the loveliest, loveliest guy and he got me work in a sports shop and it was my first full-time job I'd ever had. I'd had no experience whatsoever and he took me in and I loved it and my life sort of got back on track and when I was 28 I met my gorgeous Christopher that most of you know and that was just amazing um, but I was still a practicing witch. I'd given up Satanism kind of but I was still a practicing witch. We came over to New Zealand I joined a coven over here, was put into the AOG at the time as a plant. I was there to disrupt church. Now, unfortunately, it didn't actually work out as the coven had planned <laughs> because the very first Sunday I was there and I sat in front of the word of God and I heard it, I cannot tell you what it was like. It was like a balm to a rotten, stinking wound. I could not get enough. So I was pretty quickly and smartly taken out by the coven. <laughs> um, and I was put into the Baptist church. I don't know why they thought that that would be, a, you know, a worse place to go. But anyway, I went into the Baptist church. And at that point, I met lovely couple Kevin and Jeanette Hyde. And what I saw in them was such a peace and such a love and such a joy in my brokenness, that's what I wanted. You know, like the child heart in me said, this is what my life was supposed to have been. I should never have had the deficit of love in my life. Seeing families in church, seeing kids the way they're supposed to be loved was amazing. So I decided I would fess up to poor Kevin <laughs> Went along to an elders meeting and said, actually, I'm a witch. <laughs> and I came to disrupt, but, you know, I just, I can't do this anymore. And he said to me, well, that's awesome. <laughs> What's she going to do now? And I had actually written 
farewell notes to my children and to my husband because I actually was going to kill myself afterwards. And that's what I said because I've known four people come out of where I've come from. All four people are dead. And I thought, I don't want to live the rest of my life looking over my shoulder, constantly being and living in fear. I'm not doing this. So Kevin decided it would probably be a good idea if he prayed before I left. <laughs> so he did. <laughs> now, I received Jesus that night. But I want to tell you something, guys. I received Jesus. I was a witch. I was a prostitute. I was a Satanist. I didn't know who God was. I didn't know who Jesus was. I didn't even understand what he'd done for me. All I wanted was what was in Kevin. I didn't even have my own faith. And God met me right there. I didn't have the knowledge. You don't have to clean your life up. You don't have to be a perfect human being for Jesus to come into your life and love you and hold you and restore you because that's what he wants. So God did free me from Satanism and witchcraft, and it was a very interesting and has been a very interesting 15 years. <laughs> um, but in the area of abuse, I was very, very trapped. I spoke before about multi-personalities. When you are an abuse person, you basically develop imaginary people because they are the people that are getting abused. It gives your brain the ability to survive the trauma of abuse. So when you're abused, you put out this imaginary person and the abuse is happening to them and me, Kerry, can stand here and go, it's actually not happening to me. So God has to get into those personalities, and they're like rooms. All of us have memories locked away in our head because our brain says, I can't cope with that trauma. And God says, but I can. You know, God says, I can. And it is literally opening these doors. So what God did for me over 15 years was gradually take these multiple personalities away until there was just the Kerry that he created. But that caused its own problem because now I had these rooms and there was no way was I going to walk into them as Kerry. I was not going to revisit those memories because it was me. I didn't even want to know about it. But God had a much, much better plan. And he put on Kevin's heart... This, Kevin rung me up, and he says, Kerry, he says, I feel God is calling me for us to meet up to finish what we started 15 years ago. And I thought, oh, well, okay, I'm going to have to actually do this. So we agreed, and I met up with Kevin for two days of solid prayer and ministry. The first four hours were absolutely horrific. It was every bit as bad as I thought it was going to be. And I just said to Kevin, we're getting nowhere. This is not happening. Don't want to do it. God gave me this, I guess it was a vision. I was in a room, and it was a very real room. It was a room where a lot of abuse had taken place. And I was staked to the floor, and I was bound hand and feet. The doors were shut, and I could not get up, and I couldn't leave the room. And I cried out to God and I said, God, I do not want to be in this room. I want to walk out the room. 
I said, you've got to give me a word, something that I can hang on to. And what he did was he gave me a story. And he gave me the story of Abraham and Isaac. God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. Right next to me in the room, on the floor, staked, bound like I was, was Isaac. And then God said, but I gave a ram for Isaac. And I could see this ram with, caught in the thicket with his horns. And at that point, the ropes broke free from Isaac. He got up and he just simply left the room. And then God turned to me and he said, and I gave you my lamb. He said, I gave you Jesus. Every single thing that has happened to you, Kiri, every single thing that you have not liked and not wanted to happen, everything that has hurt you, everything that you feel ashamed of, Jesus took. It was the most amazing revelation of Jesus that I have ever had. All of a sudden, I wasn't ashamed to go into those areas of my life with Jesus because there was no shame. There was just freedom, absolute freedom. Now, that freedom is not just for me. You know, that freedom is for every single person, everyone who has ever been abused, anyone who has ever had words spoken over to you that has penetrated and hurt deep, whether you've been physically abused, sexually abused, doesn't matter. Jesus has got it. He's got this, guys. He's got it. He just wants to go in there and heal. Now, I mean, you may think that's an amazing testimony, but you want to hear the rest of this stuff. So, over my years of abuse, I got quite badly damaged. My face probably took the most of the brunt of it, um, and I had permanent sinus problems from having broken cheekbones all the time. Um, I had a fractured thigh bone, and my shoulder was completely shattered and just absolutely kaput. Well, God healed, healed my sinuses. My leg is absolutely fine. And my shoulder is a story all unto itself. I went to see the surgeon... He took pictures six weeks ago, and he says, the cartilage is hanging off your shoulder. You've arthritis where the collarbone has been broken. You have bony spurs hanging down here, and the rest of your muscles are just torn and shredded. He said, you have to do major shoulder reconstruction. So I went down on last Tuesday to um, get a date for the surgery, and I met with this guy with a really puzzled look on his face. And he says, Kerry, he said, come in. <laughs> I thought... Oh, this is cool. And he goes, okay. He said, these are the pictures from six weeks ago, right? I went, yep. And he says, and these are the pictures from a week ago. He says, there is nothing wrong with your shoulder. Yeah, I mean, how cool is that? He actually said, I cannot do anything else to repair it. It is that good. I feel amazing. But that's God. You know, he, he doesn't want to just do a partial reconstruction of your life. He wasn't happy to have a partial reconstruction of my life. He wasn't happy to keep me where I was still in bondage, 
where I was still scared, where I was still hurting, where I was still scarred. He's led me on a journey of complete and utter forgiveness. I had the pleasure of leading my dad to the Lord before he, about two weeks before he died, actually. And last week, I had the privilege of leading my mother to the Lord. You know, God is, God's into families. He's into families in a big way. You know, at the, at the end of this, we're actually going to open up this front. Guys, please, 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 don't walk out that door with what you came in with. Please don't. God does not want that. He doesn't. Never be afraid of asking Jesus into the most hurt places in your life because he is a gentleman. He will never stormtroop those rooms. He will never open a door unless you say, Jesus, please walk in with me. And I can tell you there's many rooms that I did not want to go back into. Many. But I've walked into them with Jesus. And I can look back on my life now and go, it's all right. It's okay. So please don't walk out today. Just don't. It's, you have a life of freedom. You know, if you don't know Jesus, I've told you, I came to him as a witch, a prostitute, and a Satanist. And he took me where I was. That is so good. Isn't it exciting what God's been doing, eh? And what God can do. And He can do it again. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And that says, do it again, Lord. Carrie's been testifying as to what the Lord has done in her life. The miracles that have taken place. And she's been behind what we've been doing. And we've had a lot of fellowship with her for many years. And some, some of you are the same. And I was the same. But sometimes, as Kerry says, there's those inner rooms. Now, before we open the floor here tonight, uh, today, I want to go through um, and, and just look at some verses in Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And it's all about running the race. And there's great instruction there for running the race. And it's just come out of chapter 11. It's like the Olympics. And there's a great, I don't know if you saw in Rio there, uh, in Brazil, and, and just how many thousands of people surrounded the stadium there in the Olympic arena. And it was just incredible. And this is a picture that's painted here in Hebrews chapter 1. In chapter, I mean chapter 12. In chapter 11, you get all the worthies of faith from the Old Testament. Some of them mentioned there, but there was, there's Daniel and there's David and there's Rahab and there's all these faith worthies that have proved the goodness of God like Kerry has proved in her life. And they have connected with the Lord and opened up their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, therefore, so you get like Olympic Stadium and we're about to run a race. We're opening up our series here and it says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded, you're in the Olympic arena here, all the worthies of faith that have gone before and they're all looking at what's going to happen here today. What's happening in our lives? How am I going to run the race for the rest of my life? And they're cheering us on. And it says, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, those that have proved God's goodness and faithfulness that have gone before us. And in the Olympic arena, there's a great crowd there. And I just, I just see, the, see that picture there. And then it says, let us throw off everything that hinders. 
You see, you can't be running a race with a backpack on. The men even shave their legs when they're running a race. When did you last shave your legs, Dave? Anything that would hinder. So often, Christians are some of the weighted, or professing Christians are some of the weighted, most weighted down people that you see in the community. And it puts others off. But it says here, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Sin is selfishness. We open up our hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to be saved from hell and go to heaven. We hear the message and we let Jesus in. But as Kerry says, sometimes there's those rooms that have been locked for many years in the dark recesses of our soul. And they'll shut up because it's so painful to go there. Past hurts. It might have been when you're five years old. It could have been even younger. I know when I was brought up in a Christian family and went to school, it was quite hard to be mocked at school for, and, and, and be an oddity at school. There was hurt there. I went through the prayer ministry that uh, Kerry's talking about about 10 years ago. And it transformed my life. It set me free. And I'm determined to walk free every day of my life. But God can do the same for you. You only know if God's speaking to you this morning and there's something that's shut up there. There's rooms in your soulless realm, within your soul, which is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Places that have been hurt. And you've shut away, you've shut the door on it because you don't want to go there. Jesus, is, as Kerry said, is a perfect gentleman and if He will only come in if you welcome Him in. And I hope there's people all over this congregation here today who will step forward and who will welcome the Lord Jesus in this morning. If it's for salvation, come and t- tell us that you haven't received Jesus yet and we'll lead you in a prayer of faith. And you can ask Jesus into your life straight away. But maybe you're a believer here this morning and you feel that this is me. This is God is speaking to me this morning. And I, I feel that I'm restricted. My life is weighted down with things and I, I don't know what it is. And I just want prayer. I want help. I help just to, and I want to open that up to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want Him to come in and be the divine healer that He is and, him, and to heal those inner recesses of my soul. And that could be you this morning. And it goes on to say, and let us run with perseverance the race. You can't even start the race when there's all this bondage and baggage. To start the race, we walk free. To get off the ground and mount up with wings as an eagle and run and not be weary and walk like, uh, and not faint. Like Isaiah said in Isaiah 40, you can't do that weighted down with a big load of baggage. And it says, let us run with perseverance, a race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. It's not about us and what we can do. It's about what He has done. We're not saying that we're not diminishing the work of the cross one iota here this morning. We know it's a completed work. We know we've already been raised up and seated in heavenly places in Christ. We know that Christ dwells in our heart by faith. He dwells within our spirit. But we're talking about your soul, your mind and your will and emotions. And the Bible speaks a lot about that. Gird up the loins of your mind. Put the truth on your mind. Let your lives be transformed by the renewing of your minds. It's an ongoing process sometimes. God wants you to walk free this morning, totally free, totally healed, not only physically in your body. Sometimes the physical healing and the manifestation of the physical healing in the body is linked with this healing of the soul. There can be a hindrance with the physical manifestation of healing if our souls are not healed and saved completely, you know. I'm not talking about being saved and going to heaven. I'm talking about the healing in those dark rooms that have been shut away from us all. We only look on the outward parents. Here today, we can can look around and we can see see 
the outward, but Jesus, the Lord, He looks on the heart. But He's not going to come barging in to those rooms that you've locked the door of and you don't want to open without your permission. And so I actually here today, give Him permission. Welcome Him in. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the beginning and the end of our faith. He's got the whole nine yards. He's got everything we need. He is our healer. So as we're going to play this song again, oh, I love it. I love the song. Let's bring the words up again. We're going to just open the floor for you to come forward. There's going to be some prayer ministers up here. But we encourage you, if the message, if you've been spoken to today, if you feel it's you that's been talked about here in the congregation today, if you want to run the race like Jesus ran the race, and you want the power to do so, but you're feeling weighted down in life and you feel that something is hindering me and it's, what is it? Even if you don't know, come forward. Let's discuss this. Let's pray together. The Bible tells us to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And that's what we want to do here this morning. And if it's healing you want prayer for, come forward. If you want a prayer for salvation, come forward. If you just want to talk, come forward. Who knows what God can do with your life. If you hand over the whole of your heart, the whole of your soul, if you open up to the perfect gentleman, Jesus, and let him come right in and be your healer and your Savior this morning. Let's stand together as we sing, and I welcome you forward this morning. Come on down.